0: We are here in Saint Petersburg filming with Mr. Zieglerun from Tupperish. Okay. Nice meeting you here, mm. Mr. Zieglerun.
1: Well, nice seeing you again, Regina. It's <laughs> been quite a while since we kind of ran into each other last time. When yeah. was it? In Moscow.
0: It was in Budapest, Budapest this May. Yeah. You are 30 years in the industry, am I right? And you started your career in Tupperish, and then you worked in different places, and you get back to Tupperish. Yes. Okay. Why you decided to get back? Oh,
1: okay. See. Uh, Oil business is a small community. Okay, everybody knows each other. You know, I work for the government TÜPRES. I mean, the Turkish Petroleum Refineries Corporation, owned by the state. And I resigned. I kind of worked in different companies, and I kind of returned to the privatized Turkish Petroleum Refineries Corporation. So, uh, why did I? Okay, see, the thing is, TÜPRES uh, is like home to me. You know. Uh, they paid my, you know, they paid for my education in the United States after high school, so uh, it's like home.
0: Perfect. And yeah. could you please tell me what has been changed
1: from oh, that of, time
0: to this time?
1: Okay, a lot of things. Okay, um, uh, technology has improved a lot. It, it, especially digital technology has improved a lot. Uh, process control systems, okay. Um, in all technologies that I started working for TipRush, we had the um, a conventional process control items like, and DCS, dis- distributed control systems, were new in the uh, in the in the in the business. You know, when I returned, of course, all these technologies were had been implemented into the process technologies. Um, of course, uh, better process technologies, catalysts, and everything. Um, uh, and also the way the, p- the refinery is run, I mean, the management uh, had uh, strict government thinking to more, more relaxed private thinking. I mean, the attention that people pay to the safety of the refinery operation has improved a lot.
0: Also, I know that you worked in Star refinery as yes. well, right? Emirates, yeah. and now they are running. Yes. It is another e- refinery which is close to yours, Amaret. Yes. And uh, what can you say about this? Two refineries in one place.
1: First of all, I'll give you some numbers. Okay. Um, see, uh, this refinery is is designed and built to make diesel product. Okay, and and it was designed also to z- to make zero fuel oil. And And this refinery doesn't sell gasoline either, doesn't produce gasoline. And that refinery was intended to integrate with the next door petrochemical plant that was also owned by Sokar. So, okay, for that reason, this refinery is not selling any gasoline, so there's no competition in gasoline. And like when you look at the diesel product, for example, Turkey is consuming about 25 million ton Diesel per year, and Tupra is able to make let's say 11 million ton, 12 million ton. Okay, so and these guys are going to make about five, six million ton. We're still short in diesel. Okay, Um, and there will be quite substantial amount of diesel that will be imported into the country. Um, So anyway, the way I see it, yes, there will be some competition, of course, but it's not as severe as. A lot of people expect because uh, there's still a lot of shortage in diesel product in the country. Uh, there might be some uh, competition, local competition, near to, near in, the, in the area where both refineries are, are located. But the rest of the country, there will be, I mean, this, the competition is not going to be that strong. That's my opinion.
0: In general, uh, market situation, how has it changed in Turkey? when another refinery has started?
1: Two aspects, let's say. Okay. One is, they, uh, they bring in additional products to the market. Okay. Of course, they are trying to sell theirs and we're trying to sell ours, fine. But there's also a crisis in Turkey that's also kind of causing the market to shrink. So, I don't know which one has a, a heavier effect on the situation I can't. I mean, uh, to me, crisis is, is more more uh, uh, dominant than the competition. Okay, what happens is, is yes, our sales numbers kind of went down a little bit, but I don't think it's because of the competition. I think it's it's also because of the market mm-hmm. uh, market shrinkage.
0: Okay, uh, another thing is happening right now in your country is that uh, sanctions was uh, made you uh, made the restriction for you to use Iranian oil emirates yes okay and that's uh,
1: what I'm hearing let's put it uh, that way yeah but yeah. we do receive some Iranian home petrol, uh, crude petrol okay. crude oil to the extent that we are allowed to process I think mm-hmm. um, uh, it's, it's a political issue
0: yeah it's a political issue but still I'm interested because uh, it should increase your dependence on the Russian oil emirates yes. And what do you think about this in general?
1: Oh, we're happy with the Russian crude oil. Um, and we're, we're, we always got uh, good yields out of Russian crude oil. And um, uh, of course, we like to process more of Russian crude oil. And uh, technically speaking, we never have any problem processing Russian crude oil. But the quantity of how much of it available for our refineries is the question
0: so it could be not enough uh,
1: i wouldn't call it not enough i'm sure the russian uh, russian crude oil suppliers have other connections too i mean i don't think they are able to sell all their production to us that's the thing mm-hmm. but as far as uh, as far as i know like our uh, uh, our crude oil uh, diet is about like 20 to 30% right now Mm-hmm. Is Russian crude.
0: Oil. You know why I'm asking because it's um, you can see on European market that mm-hmm. they try to decrease their dependence from Russian crude and gas.
1: I wonder why. Uh,
0: but from Turkey, if we see, it is it stream, Yes. So another thing is happening, which is again increasing mm. your dependence from Russia. So why is this difference? I, could,
1: I wouldn't call it dependence because the uh, uh, uh, two price refineries are capable of uh, processing. Many different kinds of crude oil. Right now, uh, uh, within the last three years, we have processed 40 different kinds of crude oil in our refineries. And um, uh, the criteria to to select a certain crude oil is kind of is economic rather than uh, technical. Okay, see, our our refineries are flexible enough to process different crude oils. But what we have is we have like LP models of our refineries. And we look at the market situation. We look at product specifications, product, uh, uh, crude oil prices. Okay, we look at uh, product prices, and we run an optimization and demands, of course. Uh, what is what is demanded in Turkey? What is demanded external in other countries? Like how much of it can be sold or exported, and what additional imports that will be needed? I mean, all these things are optimized and based on the market, current market c- conditions we end up with a certain optimum if the price of the uh, russian crude oil is right we like to process it more
0: who are your basic suppliers
1: oh like we we buying a lot of crude oil from middle east and i know we process uh, fr- uh, crude oils from nigeria even south africa colombia okay so we're pretty s- flexible
0: Last year on the congress, you said that Tupper invest about 230 to 250 million dollars just to survive. Just to survive. Can you please comment on this? What do you mean by this
1: survival? The regulations change, okay? Um, the product specifications change. IMO, for example, one of them, uh, like new LPG specification, for example, okay? Um, see. Um, there is a comu- there is an organization called Community European Normalization. That is a that's an organization under a European Community, and this European Community has um, working groups. As TURPRESH, I am a member of these working groups, like diesel, gasoline, and LPG, for example. I don't represent TURPRESH. I represent Turkey. Okay, in these. Organizi- or in these working groups, so that we know what sort of um, uh, uh, specification changes are coming to different products. Now, knowing in advance what is going to change means that you come back to your country, to your company, and start working on the required investments ahead of time to meet these specifications. LPG is one of them. Just recently, on uh, December 5, in uh, 2018, a new specification was issued by CEN, Community European Normalization, um, uh, on the LPG specification. Now, what are the major changes on LPG? Sulfur level, for example, went from 50 ppm to 30 ppm, 1, 3, uh, uh, okay? um, these are uh, uh, These are kind of uh these, these are the kind of stuff you don't want in, in your LPG you know All right, health hazard so it, now we limit uh, the specification now limits the quantity of that uh, those compounds and also um, since LPG is used as an auto gas in motorized vehicles instead of gasoline, uh, it requires a certain uh, octane number okay. Uh, to guarantee that octane value you uh, know um, uh, S- send wants the minimum propane concentration to be a minimum 20 weight p- percent now in 2022 it's going to be 30 30 percent now of course we are now investing uh you know kind of improving our process plans to meet this 20 p- 30 ppm sulfur level And also, we're also investing on um, on uh, processes that will meet uh, the propane content in the LPG. If you don't make these kind of investments, you don't have any market to sell your market your your LPG product because you're not meeting the specification.
0: So this is the survival.
1: That's the survival right there. I mean, environmental issues, for example. Okay. The government says your sulfur plant has got to has got to recover 99.5 percent of your sulfur intake intake into the unit, and you're not allowed to exceed so many uh, milligrams per normal meter cube of sulfur dioxide in your emissions. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's a that's that's an environmental constraint that means you got to do something with your sulfur plants because some of the sulfur plants are old don't meet these specifications so we are not investing on new sulfur plants for example like wastewater treatment plants for example Uh, then they say look they the government says no now I'm going to monitor your emissions from the refinery stacks that means you're going to install proper Online analyzers on these stacks, so I kind of follow your your emissions continuously. Otherwise, these guys cancel our refining license. That's a survival rate. Mm-hmm.
0: And this changes from year to year. Exactly. And well, uh, the harshest of these, from 2019, for example the harshest of these changes that you were forced to implement?
1: 2020,
0: I am alright. I am yeah. all. okay. It's when I was reading about your company, I see the strategy where it is stated that company wants to increase energy efficiency, production capacity and profitability. Yes, and lots of projects are all about this and what is more you want to achieve technological self-sufficiency. And as I understood your department is the main one for these activities, am I right or yes. not? Yes. That's our job. Yes. Let's talk about technologies you're currently developing, and what are the main uh, aspects you are doing?
1: Okay. See, we are a refining company. We don't develop refining technologies. For example, we don't uh, invent new catalysts. For example, for any process, um, um, we don't uh, uh, invent new um, uh, process technologies. In refining, we actually use them. Okay. See, we consider ourselves successful if we are able to find the right technology among uh, from okay uh, right technology uh, from the from the available technologies that will fit our our problem best, and if we are able to implement that technology. Economically and efficiently and safely, we consider ourselves like, uh, uh, lucky and successful. So, these are the kind of uh, research that we're doing. We also have a research and development program uh, department. First of all, we are we are working with European nations on research projects that European nations, uh, united uh, European nations. Kind of want to want to concentrate on, so they invite us to be part of uh, research programs. So we do that, and also likewise, uh, there are uh, certain scientific organizations in Turkey. They also want us to be part of certain uh, research uh, organizations, and also we use the um, our research and development department. To solve problems in refining operations that we're currently having, Um, we have a pretty good research and development department. Like we have a pilot plant that we kind of test, are able to test a a hydroprocessing catalysts and hydrocracking catalysts, for example. And we're also now planning on installing alternative pilot plants to be able to um, test plant operations. Um, and also like we have a, a very extensive laboratory capabilities that we are able to process uh, to analyze uh, uh, refinery streams. Uh, for example, every whenever there is a new uh, crude oil uh, available for the market, uh, our research and development depar- department mm-hmm. does the laboratory analysis uh, to uh, determine the characteristics of that crude oil for example.
0: And let's discuss a bit your team and the way you help and encourage them to develop their knowledge. Can you give us uh, advice on this? See,
1: uh, I work with very privileged group of people. Um, I'm very privileged, let's say, to work with these people. I mean, uh, uh, right now I've got about 114, 115 people working for me in technical services and research and development group. And I also have uh, other process people working in other refineries, sort of that we kind of work together in different projects. Um, um, they are a very select group of people. Um, what I do is um, I kind of encourage them to disagree with me all the time. Give me a hard time, no problem. And I believe in the fact that different opinions kind of enriches um the projects let's say so they always feel free to disagree with me which is okay and i try to i try to send them to different conferences trainings and everything uh, to get the network that i'm i'm establishing in prc conferences as much as possible Um, and i try to kind of encourage them to get their phds and everything in, in universities, especially research and development uh, people. And, but there are also technical service process people who are also getting their PhDs. And some of them are more interested in getting MBAs rather than PhDs, which is also okay. I try to kind of encourage those, those kind of people too. Uh, so um, we try to do some social things together. Uh, like breakfast like on Tuesday is t- Tuesday morning is our breakfast day each floor in my building has their own breakfast I kind of take turns to join them in their activities um so that's that's and we're not allowed to talk business during those um no uh, business no discussions. business it's no business we can talk about soccer movies books and whatever but again no no business
0: Speaking about their PhDs, so what are you doing exactly see, to encourage?
1: Uh, I'm doing a PhD in, in in chemical engineering in the University of Kocaeli in in Turkey. Uh, see, I had other other colleges that I could have gone to, um, but again, uh, this college is only like 20 minutes from my office, uh, so it's just the convenience. Uh, uh, but it's a it's a good college. I mean, creating. Uh, there are really you know uh, uh, good professors there actually like uh, there was uh, one professor in the Department of Chemical Engineering Uh, she is uh, specialized in uh, petrochemicals and uh, so she kind of I don't know if she's aware of it but she helped me a lot with the petrochemical projects in toothbrush for example um, and I told her a number of times that like, you're just, um, I don't know if you know it, but you're helping me a lot. Although I'm just taking that course to fulfill my requirements, but it's way beyond that. Difficult yeah. question, maybe. What is the secret of success for you? <laughs> Working very hard. Um, uh, taking whatever you do seriously. Be healthy is another thing. Like this, uh, to, um two hobbies that I try to do keep me healthy like stay out of smoking for example I don't smoke I don't drink a lot you know I try to exercise and I've got hobbies that kind of kind of divert my mind from job environment to other things and I try to travel I mean see like being here uh, being here um, in the PRC conference for example also kind of a um, uh, uh, helps me a lot on on being successful. Let's say things like that. You know, uh, when you all have, add them up together, and if you're enjoying what you do, what you're doing is also another thing that kind of helps you uh, succeed in um, succeed in what you're doing. Uh, because um, uh, my theory is, if you if you enjoy what you're doing, somehow you'll make your living out of it. No problem. Definitely. Okay. And uh, so that's the that's the theory behind it. And I'm certain, it, you can't. I, I'm certainly enjoying being a chemical agent, being an engineer. Let's say not just chemical engineer engineer. I enjoy being mm-hmm. it. So uh, that's all the ingredients, I guess. You know, working hard, you, you know, enjoying what you do, being healthy. You know, um, everything, everything kind of comes down to bottom line is the success, I guess.
0: What are the projects you are currently working on?
1: Uh, Okay, right now, uh, so technical services and research and development work together in like hand in hand, in a very coherent way. Uh, We we looked into petrochemicals, for example. We're still looking at petrochemicals, Uh, um, uh, trying to sort of come up with alternative investments. as technical services like our job is to uh, kind of play around with ideas, uh, look at different project alternatives, not every project studies that we carry are are implemented, Um, we're lucky if one out of ten project studies or maybe uh, studies uh, come alive we're lucky with this thing you see what I'm saying? like petrochemical is one of them. We're looking at a lot of, we looked at a lot of different uh, petrochemical, um, refinery petrochemical integra- integration projects, for mm-hmm. example. And um, they haven't been, so the investment decision hasn't been made yet. We're just kind of studying these things. Um, we developed projects for IMO, for example, um, impacts of IMO. We looked at like uh, 60, 70 different. Different configurations.
0: As a leader for the department, right. you definitely have some of these things which you think will be the best for the company. Sure. And what are you doing to make what the management that? choose these ones?
1: Oh, oh, oh, we don't. Okay. We kind of do the calculations. First of all, we know what, what technologies are available. Okay. And, and we also know how these new technologies can interact with, with each other. And we also know how these new technologies fit into the rest of the existing refinery, uh, refinery processes into okay? brush. And, and advantages and disadvantages. We evaluate them. We, we kind of build refinery models and come up with investment figures, uh, uh, revenue figures, Sort of uh, estimate a time of investment. Eventually, we know all these things, so we present it to them.
0: And are you able to influence this decision? I mean, uh, when when they are. Yes, choosing. we do.
1: Yes, we do. See, the thing is, like, as engineers, we like. Okay, let's put it this way. Again, another analogy. What what kind of car would you like to drive? Would you like to drive a Ferrari, or maybe just a regular utility car? I'm not going to give you names. I like driving with Ferraris, you know. I try to convince these guys to buy a Ferrari. I try to give them the all the benefits, merits of that Ferrari, for example. I mean, but again, no, they still buy. That just the average you
0: know why I'm asking, because so, I was interviewing uh, Gary Goodwin okay. in Budapest from KBR <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. laughs> and uh, you already guessed that <laughs> he told me that you're negotiating his Rose technology from KBR, am I right? And oh, yeah. he was interested <laughs> in the <laughs> question, <laughs> so what are you thinking about the technology and what is the process
1: right now? We did evaluate Rose technology extensively, at least, okay, we looked at the... Um, of course, we don't speak in terms of rose. We don't. Uh, we talk in terms of solvent asphalting unit. That's the general name. Solvent asphalting unit. Rose is the is the more a trade uh, trademark name for the same technology. We also have this technology in our Ismir refinery. Of course, the rose unit works together with coker units, residue hydrocracking units, residium FCC units, for example. Okay, and the thing is. There are certain advantages of installing a rose unit or maybe a, pro- a solvent de-asphalting unit upstream of a coker co- co- unit, kind of it reduces the capacity of your coke unit, produces less coke, increases your hydrocracking unit, and at the end uh, you make more uh, valuable product but a little bit higher investment. So, uh, um, and I will be talking about these things on my presentation on, on Tuesday, uh, but let me say a few words ahead of time. And let's say Turkey, for example, is a good good market for petro coke. As long as you're able to sell petrocoke in the country, the growth unit doesn't justify itself economically. Now, let me give you numbers. Uh, Turkey is a net importer of petro coke. Let's say four million ton per year, and this number is increasing. And cement factories are using the petrocoke. coke. And right now, Tupra is only able to make about 0.8 million ton. Now, Star refinery is making about 0.7. So this is 1.5 million ton. We are now installing an additional cocoa unit that will make another point, uh, 0.7 something. So we're talking like two million ton petrocoke coke per year. We're still short in the country. Then of course another alternative is let's say you have a strict problem with let's say uh coke in your country all right and uh, then you want to install a resid hydro residium hydrocracker instead of a coke unit because you have a problem with coke coke, so installing a resid a rose unit upstream of residium hydrocracker makes sense that makes smaller residium hydrocracker and a you know, maybe a slightly bigger uh, normal hydrocracker. Well, okay, a conventional hydrocracker is what I call it. And so this Rose unit makes a lot of sense. We have designed our coker units so, so that we are able to install a Rose unit or a solvent the asphalting unit upstream of the existing coker units to lower the coke production in case we have a future problem with the petrocoke coke product.
0: Okay, but how can you predict? Are you going to licensing? Oh, how can
1: I how can I predict? Well it's very difficult to predict. Depends on the government regulations. The government doesn't put any kind of restriction on petro coke consumption of the cement factories for now. for the t- for the time being. As as a technical services director today, I have to kinda look at this crystal ball and try to predict what can happen in the in the in the future. And we we know the coker Coke product, coke, vitro coke, is going to be a problem, environmental problem everywhere. In that case, we're just kind of designing designing our systems flexible enough to insert that solvent the asphalting in it upstream. For the time being, that's not the issue. But if it becomes an issue, we'll talk to Gary, you know, for sure. You can be sure.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And let's summarize. What kind of Tips you as a director for this department can um, give us to choose the technology, whether to invest in it or not.
1: A lot of criteria. Okay, what kind of crude crude oils you have available for your refiner? Are they heavy crude oils, or are they lighter crude oils? And another thing is, um, what sort of um, what sort of products? Uh, do you do you need do you need gasoline do you need diesel do you need uh, petrochemical feedstocks or do you want to kind of develop yourself on on the on the um, um, uh, petrochemical area or do you want to integrate your refineries with petrochemicals then other technologies will will become important of course. Uh, that 's the, uh, the market conditions like crude oil available, what kind of product, and how much of these products are demanded in the country okay and if you have an excess, where would you export it to so those are the kind of questions um, uh, that you will have to, you will have to answer um, for example, uh, one conference in Moscow um, there were two gentlemen from Kazakhstan and Turkmenistan, and these guys were talking about Um, petrochemical investments in their presentations, and they were making polypropylene and polyethylene uh, in their petrochemical and refinery investments, and the market was Turkey. And uh, polyethylene and polypropylene are highly demanded in Turkey by the way. So that's why we're looking at petrochemicals, but we're looking at the olefins rather than aromatics for it. Of course, another thing is how much money you have. How much money are you willing to uh, spend on your petrochemical and refinery, your uh, finance availability. Uh, so that's another thing, okay, um, um, so like infrastructure is another, how, how, would you, how would you distribute the product that you produce for example? A lot of things kind of play an important role. In Turkey, we look at like diesel demands, for example, and problems with fuel oil, and for example, um, we still have to make bitumen, for example, because Tuğrul is the only bitumen supplier in the country. Otherwise, we would have no roads basically. So that's a sort of a uh, criteria for Turkey. You know, so it's a it's a complicated game we play. <music>
0: Let's talk a bit about energy efficiency. I know that your company recently uh, got an award, yes, for this achievement. Could you please give us more details?
1: Let me give you numbers again. Uh, Natural gas is very expensive in Turkey. Okay? Uh, For example, you see, the natural gas value is like, okay, a dollar per million BTUs. Okay, that's how we, the natural gas the uh, natural gas sector kind of measures the cost of a natural gas mm-hmm. value, you know. So United States is two dollars, two and a half dollars today. Europe is on the order of like four, four and a half dollars even if the prices are going down. In Turkey it's about like six to eight dollars. So natural gas energy is very expensive in Turkey. Alright? So every time we save energy in our refining operations, that means we, that means we're making money. Now, for example, electrical power production. Gas turbines is the highest technology to make electrical power, so we're now installing more gas turbines. Uh, we used to have like uh, steam turbines, um, um, steam turbines to make electrical power, but now we're s- shifting toward the gas turbines in like. Um, the pressure also comes environmentally. For example, in steam turbines, you burn fuel oil, produce steam, pass it through a uh, steam turbine, make electrical power. But now, okay, fuel oil has tax in it in Turkey, uh, and it's more expensive. And environmentally, uh, it's difficult to burn natural. I mean, the fuel oil. It's got high sulfur in it, so. Now what we're doing is now we're using the highest technology better technology to burn natural gas make electrical power and less environmental issues. And also we try to do a lot of a lot of energy heat heat recovery projects in in our existing process units. What we call it is energy intensity index EII. We're trying to lower that value as below 100. Now we used to be like In government to press ages, let's say, the number would be the overall number would be on the order of like 120, 130s. Now we are below 90 right now, and and um, of course based on the uh, current um, current energy values costs, um, uh, reducing this EII value, energy intensity index value, just by one point, means so many million dollars per year. So we're we we're, we're looking at these kind of energy recovery and energy efficiency projects in process units, and try to find alternative ways to uh, alternative ways to uh, produce uh, energy like electrical power and steam. And we're also looking at wind power. We're installing wind turbines. Uh, we have a project in Izmir refinery, for example. And we're looking at solar power, Uh, for example, Batman refinery. Now we are also evaluating the carbon dioxide emissions in our investment. To lower carbon dioxide emissions, that would be beneficial because now every ton of additional carbon dioxide means, let's say, so many dollars per ton. Uh, So we are also evaluating carbon dioxide, and that means energy intensity right there. So, we're looking at a lot of different things uh, to, uh, um, and to consume less energy, let's say, or at least produce it more efficiently. Sustainable
0: projects. Let's finalize what you have on your table.
1: Again, uh, see, we have a lot of different kinds of projects uh, uh, to, to maintain sustainability. Uh, people call it sustainability, I call it survival. Staying in business, in. Uh, You have to kind of see what's coming ahead in in many years, and kind of decide on what sort of investments you need to be able to maintain your operations. Uh, So every kind of every kind of investments that we're developing today sort of kind of focuses on sustainability.
0: And let's uh, finalize our discussion about your projects by your coker units, uh, which is all about IMO yes? yes can you tell us more
1: the idea of that coker unit okay that was selected among a many of projects alternatives um, um, we're installing a new coker unit and maybe in, in addition to that we're, uh, we're planning on installing a new nafta treater and integrate, it, integrate that unit two units with the existing uh, existing units in the refinery, hydrocracker and hydrogen units. And also we're installing a new sulfur unit together with it uh, to meet the environmental regulations, of course. Um, we're also um, integrating these two units together with the existing refiner units so that um, everything works okay. So, I mean, that project is still going on. We've, done the, we've completed the basic engineering, now we're kind of going into detailed engineering and so on and so forth.
0: So when are you going to finish it?
1: <sighs> That's a very difficult question. Hopefully before 2025.
0: What is the most important thing
1: you're proud of about this project? I think we came up with a very unique solution uh, that will maximize the, the utilization of the existing uh, uh, refineries uh, Facilities or two facilities and create a very efficient um, uh, efficient um, uh, integration let 's say we did this thing with our own team our own un- with our own engineers um, most of the work was done our with my own team and, and uh, I think their contribution was just kind of immense that's that 's the probably the most um, important thing that we could be proud of is solving the problem with our own engineering background let's say is is very important.
0: Also I've read about Horizon 2020 Okay. and also you participated there and very actively and very
1: successfully. Well we have a number of Horizon 2020 projects Mm -hmm. in our, uh, our research and development group. Our research and development group is growing a lot and uh, we have uh, right now 60, 65 people working in that group. Uh, 15 of them is is uh, lab technicians, and the, the rest rest is uh, basically research people. Uh, we have like 20, 25 uh, PhD people uh, working in our um, um, um, in our research and development group. Some of them are doing their PhD. Some of them have already. Receive their PhD degrees. I am doing a PhD, for example, you know. So, as a a director of the group, so they don't have the right to complain. You know, you know what I mean. (laughs) So, uh, so we we have a very competent uh, research research group doing these kind of things, and and we apply for Horizon 2020 projects, a lot of a lot of European Community projects, and. And as they uh, they get to know TÜBİTAK, they tend to give more projects, or they tend to accept TÜBİTAK as partners to bigger projects. So we're proud of it.
0: And um, what benefit it will it can come up later out of these uh, Horizon um, projects?
1: Research project. I mean, you learn things from research projects. You develop technologies, uh, or you become a part of developing new technologies. For example, I mean. Uh, we're looking at the carbon carbon dioxide capture and um, uh, conversion projects uh, together with the european people um, uh, if you if you if you come up with a way to sort of eliminate carbon dioxide from the atmosphere or at least stop emission of carbon dioxide yet still be able to burn hydrocarbons for example I mean wouldn't that be fantastic? See, of course right now this um this technology is not as developed as I would I would like to see, let's say, I guess that's the that's the way I want to put it. <laughs> but again, people are working on it and it's a very critical like this global warming business and carbon dioxide carbon dioxide has a very important influence on that uh um uh, global warming problem let's say and uh, and and my team is working together with the European counterparts uh, to come up with ideas you know uh, within this horizon 2020 projects or other European uh, research projects,
0: since our business is event organization it's (coughs) interesting for me to know your opinions so how often do you take part in industry events like ours?
1: right now PRC is the only organization that I'm participating in
0: a pleasure for me Okay.
1: see I get a lot of invitations unfortunately my time doesn't allow me to do anything more than I can do for you guys what I can do today for you is probably five to ten percent of what is coming to me. Let's say, um, and so I kind of limit myself to, to you guys. But keep that in mind. You know, um, the the presentations that uh, the topics that we kind of agree on are are kind of tailor made for your uh, organizations. They are not just kind of some presentations that I pull out from a shelf and kind of make note. Uh, they are just kind of specifically presented to your organization takes time.
0: How do you evaluate networking?
1: I could be forming a lot of networking just without speaking people, with, without taking a stage uh, during the conference. But now of course uh, being part of these conferences you get to meet a lot of people. See what happens is every, uh, every time after the conference people start writing me. And a, like of course, like we introduced new chemical vendors from Russia to our vendor list, for example. Uh, we knew, okay, we met new contractors, for example, who are doing business in um, Russia, and they could be contractors for us, for example. Okay, so that way we get to we get to meet a lot of meeting people, um, and. And of course, like we, I remember meeting one company who has uh, interest in environmental uh, solutions. So I c- kind of introduced those people to my colleagues in in Tuprush. And for example, there was one company who wanted to help out uh, help Tuprush with uh, more economical investment uh, maintenance activities, although it's not my area of interest or responsibility in Tuprush, but I introduced these guys to the respective people in Tuprush. I don't know how it's going, but again, that was a opportunity for everybody, at least for Tuprush. We get to know alternative contractors for a certain topic, and they get to meet Tuprush. So it's a total win-win situation, and uh, I, I certainly enjoyed being part of it.
0: And if a mid-sized company approaches you at the congress, what should they tell you in order to get and catch your interest to continue further negotiations?
1: I guess the easiest way is to talk to you, so you come and get me. I'll meet. I'll talk to anyone, no problem.
0: <laughs> I don't. Okay. I
1: don't care about the size. Sometimes small companies come up with such an innovative ideas that you'd be surprised. So we have no. We don't have a mindset, I and mean, we don't talk to big companies. No, that's not th- that's not true. Sometimes, I ret- I enjoy talking to small companies, and uh, like I said, I mean, you would be surprised how imaginative these people could be, and you would be surprised what kind of solutions they can offer to you. So we don't have the mindset. Like we talk, I'll talk to anyone. Just tell them that I'm available.
0: So blitz part is another traditional thing we are doing during this interview. Just give me the first answer which is in your head, okay? Have you ever won a lottery? No. Okay. Never played it. Never played it. I don't
1: believe in lotteries.
0: Okay. What are the main challenges for next oil and gas generation?
1: Environmental issues will become an important issue.
0: Definitely. What product would you stockpile if you found out that they weren't going to sell it anymore?
1: I love books, technical books, you know. I, I still keep my books a lot. Never throw a book, I mean, that I own so far, especially in engineering. I, I always use them. So, uh, the I guess books. I will say uh, books, and my wife is always complaining about the books in my, in my uh, bookshelves, in, in my study at home. So, and she keeps telling me I need to get rid of those. Is
0: there anything you're really bad at?
1: I wouldn't want to sing, for example. like I enjoyed music, but I would, I would, you wouldn't want me to sing. You know, let's put it that way. I'm really bad at it. <laughs> okay.
0: What are three most important rules for you to follow in your job?
1: Do the job based on numbers, facts, uh, information, not just guesses. You know, uh, feel like I don't feel like this is right. No, no, it's got to be based on numbers. First of all, we have to be open-minded. I guess you know, like to understand. Like, we make sure that we look at um, um, we look at all aspects of, of a certain problem. Make sure we're looking at the problem in a broader broader aspects. Because our job is to be able to look at everything. What I call it is we're playing chess with hydrocarbons. I don't know if kind of describes what I'm. See, you Russians play chess very well. Okay, you're very good chess players. That's a good analogy. So, we're playing chess with hydrocarbons. Make sure we're playing right, you know? So, be open minded, okay? That's another thing. A teamwork is another thing. Like, we would like everybody to uh, collaborate in the game. I mean, talk about different ideas. Disagreement is a fantastic thing for a manager, okay? See, I'm not a kind of person that kind of that kind of wants people to follow my ideas. No, no, no. I don't want my ideas to be followed. I want everybody's idea kind of mixed together in the pot and come up with a richer flavor. If I can contribute to that taste a little bit with my own pine. But again, I would like like a teamwork.